Hey, I'm so glad to be here. I'm supposed to get introduced, I guess, but the Spirit of God was moving. I was like, hey, it's time to go, my man. Uh, my name is Joel Delph, and I am from Charleston, South Carolina. And um, I left my wife and four kids to come here this weekend because what God is doing at Bridge Church is pretty incredible. And, and guess what? Most people have to wait till after it's built to see it. But it's an amazing thing when you can see something under construction and say, oh, snap. Look at what it could be. I had a friend of mine, he always flips houses. And he showed me this house he was moving into. And I was like, why would you move into this house? And he's like, come on, Joel, get some vision for your life. And he's like, this is what's going to happen. This is what's going to happen. And over the last eight, nine years, whenever I visit the house, it's turned into this thing I could have never seen. And I was like, wow. And what God is doing in our church together, what he's going to build is going to be incredible because it already is. It's not about getting to a destination when you know where you're already at. And so it's amazing to take new ground in your life when you do it from a place of contentment. When you do it from a place of, God, you've already blessed me with this. Then when you take a step forward, you do it with courage. And so today, as we continue in our series on the book of Philippians, I am so honored that I get to be here. And well, let me go back to my notes. What did I learned last week? Because Pastor Dustin was teaching last week. How many of you all heard last week's sermon? Okay, if you missed it, it's okay. It's online. You can go back. But let me give you the 10-second takeaways from my life. Um, we, we talked about Philippi. So the book of Philippians is written to this church in Philippi. Philippi is a city in Greece and is known as Little Rome. And they had an idolatry problem. I mean, that's different than 2023. We don't have an idolatry problem, do we? The problem with the Israelites is they had an addition problem. They loved God, but they also wanted a little bit of something else. And that's the same problem in our life. We have an addition problem. Because many times we struggle with the faith to believe that God is enough. But that was what Philippi was struggling with, you know. First Gentile church, and you're a Gentile, I'm a Gentile, so that's a good thing. Paul is writing about freedom from prison. If that ain't gangster, I don't know what is. I mean, he may have been locked up physically, but spiritually he was still building church. And you know what's the crazy part about that? That should be a reminder for you that life doesn't have to be perfect for you to keep moving forward. There was a lie I've always believed in my life, which is, if everything was perfect, then I'd be better. Versus understanding how to not let chains hold me back. This ain't even the sermon yet. I'm just talking to you. Um, today, um, as we continue in our series on the book of Philippians, I want to talk about pride today. I want to talk about pride, and the title of this sermon is this simple statement. It's holding you back. It's holding you back. Your pride is holding you back. It's holding you back from your potential. It's holding you back from power. It's holding you back from community. It's holding you back from growth. 
You can't have progress in your life if you've got pride. Because the first step towards progress in any area of your life is the scrubbing of pride. I survive CrossFit. I won't say I'm a CrossFitter. I, I go, I survive, and my goal is to, meet, to beat anyone who's over 70. <laughs> I don't mess with soccer moms because they got that whole, um, I birth kids energy. I'm like, ah, I'll leave them alone, you know. Um, so I'm trying to beat the 70-year-olds, and about 50% of the time I crush them, okay? But one of the things I've learned is I can't grow if I don't understand where I'm actually at. And don't let comparison get me hurt because I'm like, well, they're doing it. Well, me too. And then before you know it, I'm trying to out-squat Susie, who I didn't know was a nationally ranked weightlifter. And so just because she's 120 pounds doesn't mean I can compete with her. But your pride will crush you. It's holding you back. Friday, I went to the funeral of Eric Dryley, 39 years old, attorney, my childhood best friend. I moved from sunny San Diego to Hilton Head Island, South Carolina, went to a private Christian school where I was one of two black kids, and it was awkward. It was in the 90s, it was in the South, and uh, people didn't know what to do with me because I didn't look like what they thought I should look like. I mean, when they watch BET and then they meet me, it's not the same thing. They're like, whoa, 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 whoa. Where your grill's at? You ain't dunking on me. Are you really black? I don't know. And it was this weird thing. But Eric Dryley was my first friend. We carpooled together every day. And uh, last Tuesday, his wife found him dead. And uh, when I went to his funeral, you know what I thought about? Dang, why wasn't Eric in my wedding? I got married in 2010. Why wasn't I in Eric's wedding? He got married in 2014. And somewhere along the way, we allowed a disagreement, which many times gets wrapped up in our pride. I'm stubborn. No, you prideful. It extinguished a relationship that helped shape me for the good And as I'm standing there talking to his wife, who I've only seen on Facebook, I walked away saying, dang, pride got another one. It's holding you back. You excited for the word today? I'm excited for what's going to happen. I don't know what's going to happen, but we're going to see together. Um, I think I got a picture of my family. Uh, That's my family. They're amazing. My wife, her name is Kelly. Uh, We got married April of 2010. We got four kids. The one I'm holding, that's Joel. The one who's living her best life jumping in the air, that's Audrey. (laughs) The one who's trying to make sure she has the perfect shot. Down there on the right, that's uh, Lexi. And the one with his eyes closed that looks like he's a tornado with his hand out. That's our problem, Joshua. (laughs) Joshua Daniel. If you'd like Joshua, I mean, just text me, and UPS will bring him to your doorstep tomorrow. Chances are you'd send him right back. Let's look at Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2. Tell your neighbor it's holding you back. Philippians chapter 2. Therefore, 
If you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being in one spirit and of one mind. Mm. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. Turn to your neighbor, tell him it's holding you back. One time, Jesus tried to hire a 13th disciple. He was young, he was rich, and he came up to Jesus and he's like, hey, what must I do to be saved? And Jesus said, hey, follow the commandments. He's like, oh, I've been doing all that since I was little. And Jesus is like, oh, man, this guy's qualified. I need another disciple. He could probably work with Judas. And, and, and he goes, well, okay, well, sell your possessions, give it to the poor, and then come follow me. I mean, Jesus told all his disciples to come follow me. So the only thing we can really tell by this scripture is that Jesus is trying to hire another disciple. And the guy, when he heard of the opportunity that wrapped up in him giving something up, his obstacle, which was his pride, held him back from being the 13th disciple. It said he, he walked away downcast because he had great wealth. He could not see the invitation to something greater because it cost him something. Pride will steal opportunities because you're so wrapped up in your personal inconvenience. Oh. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. <laughs> Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. It's holding you back. It's holding you back. Your pride is a virus. Your pride is a virus. You know, remember when we had normal colds? Not coronavirus. I don't want to talk about that. It's still too soon. But you remember when you had a normal virus and you had flu season coming along? You could catch it from a friend and you're like, oh, man, should I get my shot? Should I get the shot to, hold, you know, to help flu season? And you knew there was a rhythm with how flu season came about. Well, your pride has got a rhythm, too, with how it comes about. And you only inoculate your pride through the virtue of humility. But before we get to that, let's talk about what your pride has cost you. Let me do Joel Delft's confessional of things that pride has cost me. Um, Oh, uh, uh, about a year and a half ago, I was trying to flex on this person I met, 
and it made for an awkward interaction because I was trying to lead with ego, and it made for a horrible connection. But you've never done that. Um, uh, 2010, after I got married, we got married on a Saturday in Searcy, Arkansas. Then we flew out to San Diego, California for a honeymoon. We went to this church called the Rock Church. I was super excited to be there. Pastor Miles McPherson is a guy who I've been really inspired by, so I was pumped to be at this church. I'm married all of one day. We go in, and it's Easter Sunday, 2010. Check this out. It was San Diego, California, Easter Sunday, and they had an earthquake that morning. If you are a pastor and you can't use an earthquake on Easter Sunday, go home. So Miles gets up. He preaches an amazing sermon. But right before the sermon starts, these two girls walk in and they sit right in front of me. And in my head, this is what I said. What are these girls wearing? It's Easter Sunday. I mean, I had my uniform right. I had my polo. I had my slacks on. I was looking good. My wife had a nice dress on. But these girls looked like they were going to the beach, but they stopped by church. And in my head, I started judging them. I'm like, why would you wear a skirt that short? Why? What? And I'm, ju- I'm going hard in the paint. I didn't say anything to anybody. If they looked at me, I probably would have smiled at them. But in my head, I was like, man, this is horrible. So... Sermon goes on, great service. At the end, they give an invitation. And Miles McPherson says, hey, if any of you um, want to give your life to Christ, I'd love to lead you in a prayer. Leads them in the prayer. If you just gave your life to Christ, stand on the count of three. One, two, three. And both of these girls stand up at the same time. And then they both look at each other at the same time, realizing that their friend just gave their life to Christ. And it was the first time I actually saw their face. And they both had been crying the whole service. Like, I can remember they were wearing, like, these white spaghetti strap shirts. And their shirts were wet. And they had mascara coming down their shirt. And it was like they had been crying the whole time. And as they were walking forward to get prayed over, I felt like the Spirit of God speak to me. At the time, I was a banker. I never thought I'd be in ministry, like a whole other whole other life ago, but I remember God saying, I can never use you to reach people like that because you're too busy judging them. I could have said, hey, I'm glad you're at church today. I could have said, oh, they don't look like they were planning on coming to church. I'm glad that they're here. Like, at that point in my life, I probably had missed Sunday maybe a total of 10 times in my life, okay? My parents, like, in church every Sunday, in, in church every Sunday. And so I should have known to celebrate when people who don't look like me come into the church. But my pride was holding me back from connecting with them. Your pride's a virus. Hmm. I ain't going to tell you all the other stuff. <laughs> but here are some things that pride does. Um, pride sabotages comparison to exalt or to disqualify myself. Let me tell you about this. You know comparison isn't all bad? You know cons- comparison can be an inspirational tool you use? Oh, they got that? Well, so could I. Oh, they went through that? So could I. Comparison can be a very good tool, but in the hands of pride, oh, man, I'm so good, I'm not like them. Or... Man, how come they got it like that? 
Pride sabotages. Uh, here's another one. Uh, pride shortcuts the power of story by weaponizing assumptions. Ooh. Shortcuts the power of story by weaponizing assumptions. You know, if you can get to know someone, that's one of the most powerful things we can do as humans. Most powerful things you can do as humans. When you can listen to someone, hear their story, man, your life can be changed. But pride will keep you in the box of, I got discernment. You maybe have discernment, but I bet you got a little bit more pride. And so you're too busy judging people by getting close enough to listen to them and learning their story. Pride uh, shrinks my perspective to make it all about me. Shrinks my perspective to make it all about me. I was in a job. I was a banker. And I, I got this new job. I just moved to Charlotte, North Carolina. And it was six months in. And I was so frustrated that my boss never came to see me. I was a brand new branch manager. I had a high net worth community. I was doing good things. But it felt like I never got her attention. She was always at this other guy down the street. Every week she was there. I'm like, why isn't she here with me? And then six months in, someone told me, you know she don't come by because she don't need to. She doesn't come by when she knows someone's doing great. And so all of a sudden, my perspective, because it was all about me, my world got tight. And I thought I was failing at something because of my pride versus understanding that like, man, it ain't all about you, Joel. And guess what? It's not all about you too. Mm. Here's another thing. Pride stops me from saying I'm sorry. Stops me from saying I'm sorry. You don't have to raise your hand, but chances are there may be someone in your life you need to say I'm sorry. Here's the thing that's crazy about you not saying I'm sorry. It's holding you back way more than it's holding them back. Pride. It's this weird virus that oftentimes the people who have it, they can't see it. Everyone else can recognize it around them, but you got an explanation for every single reason why your head is up or your head is down. You know, pride also has a downside. It's not just thinking of yourself better than you ought. Sometimes it's thinking yourself under what you really are. And so pride is a misunderstanding of what God has actually placed inside of you, and it is holding you back. Take a look at this picture. Um, last October, I got to go to Israel. Anyone been to Israel? It's amazing. It's amazing. And uh, you should go. Went for 10 days. 90% of the time, I felt like I was safe. 10% 10 of the time, I felt like something's going to pop off. Why is that Apache helicopter flying above me? Why is everyone holding M4 carbines? Why is that guy wearing body armor? What's going to happen? But other than that, it was great. You should go. It's fine. Everything's fine. Everything's fine. I survived. You should survive too. Well, um, this was 
a picture at the end of the Holocaust Museum. And uh, whoo, going to the Holocaust Museum was really insane because um, one of the misnomers that we say is Hitler was a madman. Hitler was evil, but there wasn't nothing crazy about that man. He was methodical, he was consistent, and he planned out the eradication of a people because of hate. How did he get people to do it? Pride. How did he get people to do it? Pride. So it was a little national pride here, a little national pride there. He had a, um, a radio station, and it mostly played music, and then it would make fun of Jewish people a little bit more, a little bit more. Did a little survey of all Jewish people. He, they, they showed this survey list of all Jews in Europe, down to a hamlet of 100 people in Albania. They surveyed Jews all around Europe for years before they started killing people. But how did he get people to do it? German pride. German pride. German pride. And before you know it, people are killing other people, and they think they're doing it in the name of God. It's holding you back. Let's talk about how to fight pride. We fight pride with humility. Humility. And in Philippians chapter 2, it actually shares a few things that can really help us in our fight with our pride. How many of you, by a show of hands, would say, at some point in my life, I've struggled with pride? Um, I want someone to be brave enough to share, hey, what's an area that, that what's pride cost you? Friendships, Friendships relationships. Somebody. I got broken up with with pride. Um, uh, 2008, uh, I was dating this girl for three months. And at the end of it, she goes, uh, this, is the, this is the best way I've ever been dumped in my life. It was gangster. <laughs> like, she goes, hey, you're a good dude. But if I'm with you, I'm going to settle for less. There are good dudes like you in every single church in America, but I'm not going to settle. We're done. And, and y'all, woo! it was so gangster. I wasn't even mad at the level of eloquence with it. I was like, okay, okay, I got it. I got it. Hey, it's 2023 and homegirl's still single, okay? I made a whole big, big old family by then. But, and I'm not saying I'm bitter with it. I'm fine. Everything's fine. Do you have a couch? Can I just lay out here and just like... But it was, it was crazy because pride eradicated something that could have been a good thing. God had different plans, but when it costs you relationships, you know, what else? What, what does pride cost you? Opportunity. That's a great one. That's a great one. Pride has cost you opportunity. Closeness of God. Mm. Pardon? Time lost. Time lost. Peace. Peace. We got to wage war on this virus, y'all. Okay. This virus don't come from Wuhan. It comes from your own heart. Anyone? 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 Too soon? Okay. Okay. All right. Hey, let's talk about how we fight uh, pride in our life. Here's the first thing. Humility 
fights for unity. Humility. What is humility? Let's define it this way. Having a right understanding of who you are in Christ. Simple as that. Humility is a right understanding of who you are in Christ. It's understanding that you got some gifts and understanding that you don't have some gifts. You know? So when I'm watching the Thacker brothers, side note, um, Thacker bros are kind of discouraging to be around. Uh, <laughs> Because they both love Jesus, they're both good looking, they're both tall, they both can teach, they both can sing. I'm like, Jesus, give somebody else some talents. Their mom looks like their sister. I'm like, that's unhealthy. This isn't good. Like, spread it around. Like, is there a normal Thacker we don't talk about? No. Yeah, I see. Yeah. <laughs> Please come to the front for prayer. <laughs> we have found the weak end of the stick, okay? But, like, here's the crazy part. Pride will get you. When you start seeing someone else do something in their gifting and pride rises up, you're like, oh, they're a competitor. Humility, though, fights for unity. Let's look at the Word of God. Philippians chapter 2, verse 1. Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ... If any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy, once again, he's, he's teaching this group of people who are new in their walk with God. They understand generosity to the point where they're sustaining their, their preacher who kind of planted their church and bounced, like in prison. They're, they're there. He's trying to give them the good stuff. Has someone ever given you something great and you're like, how do I thank them? This, this letter to the Philippians is a thank you letter. And he's trying to give them the hookup with how to really walk with God, right? Then make my joy complete by being like-minded Having the same love, being in one spirit and of one mind. He's, he's telling them like, hey, fight for unity. He said another way in another passage of scripture, make every effort to keep the union of the spirit through the bonds of peace. Amen. Like all around the New Testament, you'll see the writer, you'll see Proverbs, you'll see, you see in Proverbs, you see it. All throughout Paul's letters, he's trying to tell people, like, walk in unity. And too many times, we live our Christian life as if there are, um, like, 200 individual walks with Christ in this room. And the reality is, is our walk with Christ is intensely personal, and then it's also intensely communal. Because he saves us, not as a faceless mob, but individually, but then he calls us to live in community. Live in community. Why? Because he knows that there's something powerful when you walk hand in hand with someone else. And so, humility fights for unity. So, whenever you see yourself trying to disconnect from someone else, you got to ask yourself, how do I fight for unity? Does that mean you don't create boundaries? No. Does that mean that you don't cancel toxic people in your world? No. 
but you have to fight for unity. Why? Because when we are with one mind, we're so much better when we do this thing together. Why does an Olympic athlete go to a training facility with other athletes? Because they're better together. So you're telling me if I'm Michael Phelps, I can't just swim in my own pool by myself? Nah, man. Michael Phelps needs training partners. And he's going to forsake everything else to go to the right spot for training partners. I saw this fact on uh, the top five leading scorers of the Lakers in the last series, and each game had a different leading scorer. Why? Because it's not about a one-man show. It's got to be a team. And so, as you make Bridge Church your home, and for some of you, you're like, hey, this is my home, but I come once a month, or really every six weeks, let's be honest, you know. I ain't going to lie in church. I'm not getting struck down, okay? Um, But you're like, hey, I like the place, but I don't know anyone. You got to fight for that unity. Hey, I was in a small group, but it got weird. Hey, you're weird too. Fight for unity. Hey, um, uh, how do I I get more involved here? This ain't a um, gym membership where you sign up and it's all about you. We join church. And we are a part of it through investment. Community is a byproduct of mission. And so, like, humility fights for unity. And so how do we extinguish pride in our life? We fight for unity. I got a friend of mine. uh, We just had a disconnect um, over the last few months. And uh, I realized, I was like, dang, I feel like I pour out a whole lot in this relationship. And uh, where's my return? And uh, I tried to introduce him to a friend of mine. This happened in February. Uh, well, I'm going to use this as counseling. Y'all ain't going anywhere. The doors are locked. <laughs> and um, I invited him out to this special retreat. And the retreat was all expenses paid. And he was there as my guest. And then I invited another friend. I said, hey, do whatever you can to meet my friend who's out there. So this guy who travels all around the world, he's a motivational speaker. That's a thing, people. Um, and he... he made sure his calendar was clear for that day so he could meet my friend. So they meet, they talk, and they smile at each other. They have a good time. And then my first friend texts me about my motivational speaker friend and says, hey, man, that guy's a little weird. But the problem was is he group texted all of us together. And so when I saw that, I was like, man, I'm done. Boundaries. But then his mom died. And my friend... We'll call him John to make it easier. My friend John, all of a sudden I started thinking about, dang, when my dad died in July of 2021, he showed up at my house, um, slept in the loft, and was like, what can I do to serve you? What can I do to serve you? He was ready the day of my dad's funeral because he knew I was preaching. And um, he's like, I'll drive you. I'll drive you. I'll drive you. I'll drive you. When we're driving, um, I was at Elevation Church for eight years. He's a pastor there. He, uh, he got uh, Pastor Stephen to like record a prayer for me as I'm driving to my dad's funeral. And I was like, dang, thank you for being so intent. And I'm like, dang, pride would have wanted me to extinguish that relationship because I saw a friend that was broken. But that's not what the writer says. That's not what Paul says. He's like, man, fight for unity. And so, like, right now, I'm doing everything I can to be there for him because his mom passed. And he did the same thing for me. Love covers over a multitude of wrongdoings. 
And we are living in isolation because our cancel culture is incapable of having the resilience to build long-term relationships. Y'all ain't ready for all this. All right. Uh, Humility challenges our motives. Humility challenges our motives. Um, Check this out. Philippians chapter 2, verse 3. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves. Not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of the others. What? Um, How many of you all say, hey, I got heaping loads of selfish ambition and vain conceit? (laughs) I don't think that's something we want to say out loud, right? But what, what, do, what is Paul saying? Do nothing out of it. And so what that means is you got to check your motives consistently, constantly. you got to check your motives because the heart is deceitful above all else. And so it's okay to not trust yourself sometimes. Because to see yourself rightly the way Christ sees you is understanding that I'm a work in progress. I am the righteousness of God. He's redeemed me. And then understanding my new body as a Christian is a lifelong pursuit. And that's called sanctification. So what that means is each day I'm trying to walk the ways of Christ. And each decade I do it, some things become more habit. And some things are still going to be big struggles. And so we have to check our motives. So how do you do that? Um, uh, I learned this from Elon Musk. He, he said something really cool. He said, our goal at Tesla is to be um, less wrong every day. And so, like, that's a great assumption to understand that, like, we're going to make mistakes. My goal is to be just a little bit less wrong. So, you got to say, hey, my goal is, is to, less, to have a little bit less selfish ambition and vain conceit. Is ambition wrong? No. Selfish ambition is wrong. Because selfish ambition will assume that the blessings of God are a limited commodity. And then when you believe the blessings of God are a limited commodity, then all of a sudden you start making competitors out of people that you're actually supposed to be cheerleaders for. They got the promotion and I did it. Oh, that's the only job in America? Man, my boss always takes them to lunch, not me. Oh, you think you need the favor of a boss to get the advancement? You know how many times in my life I've had people who were against me end up promoting me? Because they can't stop the favor of God on Joel Joshua Delph. Come on, put some respect on my name. Um, Like, but if you understand how to rightly see yourself in Christ... You can challenge your motives and say, okay, I don't need to go over there. And so how do I do that? I ask myself this all the time. Am I positioning for something from someone? Um, Do I treat people who I know, at least right now, um, can do nothing for me the same way I do someone who I think can do everything for me? Only you can know that. Do I have preferential treatment? I don't, what's my motive with that? 
Why am I talking to that person? Am I talking to them because I, I, I care about them or I want something from them? Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but rather in humility, value others above yourself. How many times are you valuing someone above you? When's the last time you didn't put yourself first? Where on your schedule do you inconvenience yourself to serve others? Where? I'm busy, I'm busy, I'm busy, I'm busy, I'm busy. Yeah, but you make time for what's a priority in your life. You don't miss that series. You don't miss that show. You don't miss the game. Like, where in your life do you say, "Mm, less of me, more of you? Like, my marriage is horrible when I believe the lie that it's 50-50. Ain't nothing in Scripture say it's 50-50. Dang, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ? That's what marriage is all about. So when I say, dang, how can I serve my wife? Look at her. She, we made four amazing children together, and I want to grow old with her. That's my goal. I want to grow old with her. I want to continue the legacy that my parents built. Uh, my mom and my dad, uh, my mom had seven miscarriages before she had me. They were married for 13 years. So um, I've been married for 13 years, and it took them 13 years to have one child. And when they were pregnant with me, my mom had a heart condition. She had uh, her first open heart surgery, and they said that she wouldn't survive childbirth. And... And they believe God for something greater. And so I'm literally here because they pushed past fear. I was 31 years old when I found out that I had a brother I never knew about. And I didn't know about the fact of um, eight years before I was born, my dad made a mistake and had an affair, repented of it, and they got back together and they fought for their marriage and it didn't make sense and, and I'm here because they fought for something. Yes. That may not be your story. That may not be what you need to do. But dang. Right. Humility challenges our motives. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. But rather, in humility, value others above yourselves. Not looking to your own interests but each of you to the interests of others. You know what's crazy about when you look out to the interests of others? Before you know it, people will be fighting to look out for your interests. Dang. Um, I love meeting with people. I meet with people all the time. Breakfast, lunch, dinner, coffee, whatever, whatever, whatever. And I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. When my mom passed away, a guy who was a new friend who... Um, a friend of mine said, you need to meet with this dude. And because I meet with anyone, I'm like, I'd love to meet with him. I got the time. I did my honor. Um, I had been a friend with him for all of six months when my mom passed away. And I didn't know how I was going to bury my mom. I had $600 to my name. I took the $600 out. I put it on the couch. I prayed over it. And this guy who's a new friend, who's an unexpected guy, said, hey, just heard your mom passed away. My wife and I... Um, uh, we have an account where every month we, we give $10,000 to people who are in need. And uh, we would consider it the honor to help pay for your mom's funeral. Hallelujah. My, my, mom, my, mom, my mom's buried today because I, I went to coffee with someone. 
and I didn't know he could do anything for me. Now, when he rolled up and there was a Bentley outside, I was like, oh, that's different. <laughs> I'm typically a Honda Civic type of coffee date, you know? <laughs> but like, but that's crazy. That's crazy. But guess what? Um, he is an expert in people who are trying to get close to him. All day long, people trying to get to the guy with the Bentley. But he'd been watching me for a year. I didn't know this. He seems to be caring for people. I think he'd be a good friend. I didn't text him. I didn't ask him for nothing. But he came running after my interests because I cared for the interests of others. Humility walks in purpose. Humility walks in purpose. In your relationship with others, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. He's the son of God, but he understood his purpose. He's the son of God, could have called down 10,000 angels. You know the song, but he did it. Jesus Christ himself understood his purpose. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Humility walks in purpose. There is something powerful about when you take joy in doing what you do because that's what you're called to do and letting God promote you. Because pride will come in and think you're running out of time. Think you're running out of time. Think you're running out of time. But humility allows you to walk in purpose. So what does that mean? Hey, man, I I really want to be a great dad. And I don't want to be a great dad just for Instagram pics or so other people can see my kids run up to me on church on a Sunday. But I want to be a good dad because I know that being a good father will outlive me. Like, when you live for yourself, the day you die is the day you die. When you live for others, when you walk in your purpose, it will outlast you. It will outlast you. Humility allows you to say, dang, look at me. I am a dad. That is a good thing. How do I walk in that? And oftentimes that means putting myself as a servant. Hey, how do I get down on my three-year-old's level and have a pointless conversation for more than 35 seconds? How do I put up my phone and say, there ain't no purpose in scrolling? There's no purpose in it. How do I keep myself engaged and present in what matters the most? Because if I lose it, I'll just look back and say, that's what mattered the most. It does not matter if your coffin is gold. You won't care. Humility is exalted by God. So Jesus himself walked in humility, and it says this, Therefore God exalted him to the highest place 
and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So here's the thing. Pride tries to make you grab a throne that you have no business in. Humility brings the throne to you and allows you to stand on it in a way that will actually sustain you. And so the only way up is to go down. The only way to really walk in the fullness of all that God has in store for your life is to walk in humility. Jesus tried to hire a 13th disciple. And that rich young ruler said no, because pride held him back from a life of purpose. And so today, I just want to take a moment to pray that the Spirit of God can inoculate pride in your life. You know? And there's so many different ways we hide behind with our pride. We can hide behind our occupation. That's the way we do it. We can hide by what we drive and what we have. Uh, We can... We can, uh, pardon? Pain. Pain. We can uh, try and medicate it through addiction. But there's something really powerful about coming to God and saying, hey, this is who I actually am. Can you actually change that stuff? Because when you can change yourself from the inside out is when you actually can see life change. Who are the most beautiful women in the world? The women who are beautiful from the inside out. Why? Because there's something that you're like, I don't know why she's so bright over there. Who, who are the most powerful men? Like, really, people who walk with a level of confidence to say, I don't need to flex. You ever met someone who's really wealthy? Like, really wealthy? They don't flex. They don't flex. They don't know what Gucci is. That's what it's about, man. No, no, no. Um, my friend who had the Bentley, um, I remember when he, saw the, when he saw that I saw the Bentley. He's like, oh, yeah, that's just a car. I, I have a, a stock fund, and I kind of play with it. If it does good, I reward myself. And if it doesn't do good, I sell the cars and do something different. But I knew at the time he had a, a Bentley, a Lambo, a G-Wagon. I was like, you ain't selling none of that. Sure enough, things change in the economy. Next day, I, knew I saw him driving a Honda Accord. He's like, yeah, stocks are down. You know, this is the way I keep myself accountable. I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. Most people couldn't do that because why? The pride is in the car. Pride is in that $800 a month payment. Pride is in that neighborhood. Pride is in those clothes that you're financing to wear. Pride is in the way you position yourself to be successful. Pride is in the way that you don't go to a small group because you want to act like you're more busy when you're really not. Pride is hiding behind business, busyness. But you know what humility does? I need some friends. I'm actually going to go hang out. You know what humility does? I actually need to go back to school. Because I can't, I can't hold everyone hostage with opportunities that I'm not worth for. i got to work for that. Pride will let you take the long road, or, or humility will let you take the long road and actually gain something from it. And so today, can I take a moment to pray for you? Yes. That we can wage war on pride? Father, I thank you so much for um, the gift of your word. We thank you so much for the gift of Philippians chapter 2, 
which unlocks um, the key to this virus that has, um, since time began, since man has been on this earth, we've been fighting with a pride issue. Father, we confess that you are God and we are not. We confess that you are all-powerful and we are not. We confess that we need you. And we confess that because of what you've done on Calvary's cross, we could be free. 